From COK Studios in Mara Eliasson's library, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider the struggle for power within the Democratic majority in the House of Representatives. We'll also consider how sales reps are wearing out their welcome in hospitals in our Consider Your Health series. And we'll consider that I've got the moves like Jagger. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from the John D. George S. Catherine L. Howard F. Victoria M. Benjamin R. Nelson B. Emily J. Reginald Q. Wallace G. Jennifer T. Patrick H. and James L. Quimsey Family Foundation. And TextMonkey, the new app that lets you know who has read your texts so you can tell if Kevin is ignoring you again or actually busy helping his mom like he said. Do you hear that, Kevin? This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. House Democrats will gather behind closed doors on Wednesday and Thursday to vote for their candidate to be the next speaker come January, just the first step in a two-step process required before anyone can obtain the gavel. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi is the likely choice to become House Speaker once again, but she still faces challenges from the more conservative wing of the Democratic Party. Two dozen House Democrats have publicly come out against her, 15 of whom signed a letter of opposition and another nine who announced their opposition last Friday. There aren't enough votes to cost her the majority, nor are there any other candidates willing to oppose her. But the splintering within the Democratic Party could be a problem when the new House session begins in January. Joining us now to discuss the situation in the House of Representatives are senior government correspondent Cordell Nutbrock and House Democrat Eric Runyon, who represents California's 6th District and opposes Pelosi. Welcome to you both. Greetings. Good to be with you. Cordell, what are you hearing about how Democrats are approaching this vote tomorrow? Well, Dinah, despite the fact that they've succeeded in winning back the House, they seem to be unable to get out of their own way yet again. The Democrats are right on schedule for not getting on the same page and working together. You'd think it'd be easy for them, considering that they're up against the worst president of all time. That's very true. It's only a very small number of congressmen and women opposing Pelosi, though. Yes, but why oppose her if you have no alternative candidate? Some of the people who've opposed her have reversed course in recent days, however. Perhaps they're realizing the futility of their position. Congressman Runyon, you have opposed Pelosi from the start of your campaign. Why? Unfortunately, she's part of the old guard Washington crew that has created some of the problems we face today. We want new leadership to usher in a new way of doing things in government. Well, do you have anyone in mind? Well, no, not really. I mean, nobody wants this job, but that doesn't mean we can't oppose her just the same. But but, but why do it without a viable alternative? I still don't understand. It's a symbolic gesture that we want to strive for something better. Pelosi's name is poison to many of our constituents, and so we need to show the people who voted for us that we oppose her as Speaker. Okay, I see how that could be difficult, but there really does appear to be no other choice, so why not just get on board? Yes, isn't this just the same mentality that the Bernie Sanders supporters had about Hillary Clinton that likely cost her the election? Yeah, no, it totally is. And and I'll tell you, it's what being a Democrat is all about. We strive for something better. Even when that thing doesn't exist, and even when it sabotages what should be easy victories. Instead of Pelosi, we should be looking for a young, but 
Not an inexperienced legislator who is diverse, but not like too diverse. Strong, but not hawkish. Good at making deals. Smart, but not like patronizing. And very good looking and well-spoken. And I won't rest until we find that person. Well, but even if that person doesn't exist? Exactly. It's my duty as a Democrat to look for perfection instead of pragmatism. We can't compromise our standards just to get stuff done. I think that's probably what you need to be doing, actually. No, no. It is symbolic of our struggle against the oppression in Washington. It's symbolic of his struggle against reality. (sighs) Thank you both for the time today. Onward, Democrats! You're welcome, Dinah. That was senior correspondent Cordell Notbrock and House Democrat Eric Runyon. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to our Consider Your Health series. Alex Truman is here with us to discuss the reversal of a somewhat troubling practice that goes on in hospital operating rooms every day. Good to see you, Alex. Hi, Cotter. So, Alex, you've been investigating the role that salespeople play in hospitals. That's right. I have been aware for years that medical device and pharmaceutical companies are everywhere in hospitals. Most patients getting wheeled into the operating room might not realize that salespeople working on commission are frequently present and sometimes even advise the clinical team during surgery. That's news to me. Oh, Goddard, you're so naive. But that's okay. Not everyone has a frequent surgery card like I do. I think I just need one more stamp and then my next one is free. So what did you find out? Well, there's some debate over whether sales reps for device companies need to be in the operating room. Some say that device reps only attend surgeries to strengthen their relationships with particular surgeons and thereby persuade them to choose their brand of artificial hip joint or stent or pacemaker over a competitor's. Wow, that sounds a little sketchy to me. Ugh, indeed. But the flip side is that reps say they observe surgeries because they are experts on particular devices and their accompanying toolkits, which often includes hundreds of wrenches, screws, and other hardware to aid in installation. Okay, well, that's a good point. Subdoctors and hospitals are wary of the influence that sales reps have and are starting to not want them in the operating rooms. I spoke to one sales rep about the changes he's seen in how hospitals are treating him. I am here with Carl Bubber, who is a medical device sales rep for Discount Hip and Knee. Don't forget we also do artificial hearts, prosthetic hands, legs, feet, and some robotic limbs. You can't beat our prices, though. I'm sure. Mr. Bubber. Call me Crazy Carl. That's what everybody at work calls me. Because my prices are crazy, and I mean insane. Uh, Crazy Carl, Uh, how have hospitals been treating you as a sales rep lately? They've been really rude lately. I haven't been allowed in surgery in like three months. They must not want the expertise that I bring about our products anymore, even though I know more about artificial elbows than anyone else. It's changed. I think it's because the hospital administrators don't like how good I am at upselling the doctors. How do you bead? Well, this 65-year-old guy was in for a hip replacement, and even though he had two perfectly good knees, I upsold the doctor on some really sweet knee replacements as well. I mean, we're talking some choice titanium fake knees, like the Cadillac of knees. No creaking with these babies, let me tell you. I even threw in the undercoating at cost, which I didn't have to do, but that's why I'm such a good salesman. 
Wait, wait, wait. You sold a doctor on replacing a man's knees, even though he didn't need new knees at all? Yep, that's why I'm the best. I also threw in a free pacemaker. I can see why doctors are dubious of having sales reps like you in their operating rooms. You look like you could use some help, little lady. How about we talk new shoulder joints, or maybe some sweet new heart valves, eh? Oh, no. I have a heart valve guy I've been using for years. Thank you very much. Oh, come on. How about some artificial earlobes, or maybe grafting some adamantium on your bones? What do I have to do to get you into a completely bionic body today? As you can see, Cotter, there's definitely reasons to have sales reps consult with doctors, but there's also reasons to keep them out of the operating room. I think you're right. Thanks for that report, Alex. Happy to do it. That was Consider Your Health with Alex Truman. Now it's time for our weekly Big Little Win segment. Congrats to Jason Jones in New Orleans who convinced his wife Maddie not to start playing Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. We know that you still have a month of Michael Buble's Christmas album ahead of you, but at least she didn't start playing Last Christmas by Wham! the day after Halloween like usual. We applaud this jolly Big Little Win. Kudos also to Erica Gonzalez in Dallas, who remembered to take the plastic bag of turkey guts out of the turkey before roasting it this year. You've left it in there eight years in a row, but we all agree that bucking that trend is a very big little win. If you or someone you know has a big little win, share it with us on Facebook or Twitter. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit ConsiderOurKnowledge.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ConsiderOurKnow. You can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and at Stitcher.com, and please leave us a review. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Natalie Thorpe, Marianne Wetzel, Hobart Willis, Jeremiah Knight, and Spencer Cannon. Our intern is Ryan Shattuck. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Thank you both for the time today. Onward, Democrats! Ah! You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Onward, Democrats! <laughs> <laughs>